Hey folks. Hello. Welcome back to Wandering Into Wellness. Um, Finn and Lydia here as per usual and I'm a little lady that we've known for quite some time now at this stage, Maya Duncan. Welcome okay. Maya. <laughs> so uh, Maya, I got to know, um, God, for, was it two or three years ago? I think I met you and your mum actually in, in, this, in the store in the Hopsack um, in Rathmines. And we talked about setting up some sort of food events and then we had this really beautiful uh, acai bowl breakfast which you did a gorgeous presentation on and I was just kind of bowled over by how this at that stage I think 15 just 16 possibly year old yeah. um, <laughs> was like so well equipped to take on you know an audience of people to educate uh, doing the actual food prep presenting it beautifully, being in a commercial space, which is kind of intimidating. I mean, I, we don't even take on work experience people in the shop because it's so intimidating. But here were you like just bowling through like it was part of your regular day. And then I heard that you'd done uh, like full catering for a yoga retreat of your mum's. And I was like, what is this child? What's going on? Yeah. Like just kind of a tour de force. I mean, like, you're, you're, you're clearly an early starter. Yeah, no, um, I've always been told that I'm a very mature for my age yeah 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 um, since I was really young so yeah I did I catered a yoga retreat for my mum because my mum's a yoga teacher and then yeah I did the bowls for you like I've always loved making smoothie bowls and stuff like that and I'm half Australian so the smoothie bowls over there are amazing and I wanted to be able to do something here and then you gave me the opportunity to do it in your store and we had that little brunch morning um but yeah I've always been a bit older than my age <laughs> for sometimes I look back and I'm like oh I was 15 but I definitely thought I was like 19 or 20 but anyway yeah well there you go and it came across like that to be honest um but the, that sort of wisdom I mean the reason we have you on here is because you've had a really interesting journey in terms of your relationship and a traumatic journey in your relationship to food and I mean I, I didn't know about that honestly when I met you initially um but to have been through something like that and be out the other side of it when you're only you know just getting into college age is quite something to have like to have the the mental you know fortitude to be able to you know get through and and make and make sense of the world again I guess because I think isn't that a big thing when it comes to to kind of to 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 having um well in, in your case anorexia like I, I like I just love to understand I suppose how how you feel about it at this point like what's your like do you feel like something that's behind you or, or where are you at with it now yeah I definitely think at this point it feels like very far in the past and um, I grew up in Hong Kong and I moved over here when I was 11 so like that big change in my life kind of started a series of not so fortunate events like I was bullied when I came here my first two years of school and then after that starting first year in secondary school I developed an eating disorder and I was just in a really bad environment I missed all my friends from Hong Kong and it just started me down a bad path and I didn't even realize like it took about six months before I even realized something bad was happening I just thought that like I know I felt like I felt happier than I had in a while because everyone was complimenting me on how I looked and I was a dancer so people in dance were complimenting me on how I looked because you know like there's the stereotype where you have to be like thin and very poised as a dancer and um yeah so it was a big journey through that and I developed an eating disorder and it lasted a few years um and those years like I haven't blacked them out but like they're feel like such a distant memory that I don't even feel like they happened to me at this point because you just go through a time where like I think your memory if something so traumatic has happened your memory just blocks it out and it's like did I actually go through that and sometimes that's what I feel like but now since I've come so far to the other side and I'd say I've been like fully recovered for at least two and a half, three years. And okay. um, that like, it just feels so far in the past. And obviously you still have your, like, your little issues. Like I still struggle with my body image sometimes, but I also think that's a part of being like a teenage girl that it's kind of just like- a in, Just a general like, girl. Just like, yeah. <laughs> so I definitely feel like it's in the past. Um, mm. Only my like few little struggles, but yeah, it definitely feels like a distant memory at this point. And, and so can you speak to us about your journey into it? Like, what were the first signs to you? Like, you're saying that it, it didn't seem like a, an eating disorder to you initially, and you felt happier than you had done in a while. Like, what was the first sign for you that something was actually wrong? And, and was it apparent, do you think, to the outside world before it was apparent to you? Or 
how did that yeah, go? Yeah, definitely. Like I even remember it was the summer after I finished secondary school and I'm half Australian. So we were on holiday in Australia and I thought everything was going great. I was eating healthier. Like no one noticed anything just cause like kind of thought, oh, she's like enjoying more healthy foods. I was starting to exercise more. I was kind of just living like the summery beachy life. And I didn't even notice like at that point I thought it looked great. And there was like a few even of like, I saw some of my mom's friends from when I was little and they hadn't seen me in a few years and they would comment to my mom on, oh, she's looking a lot slimmer, everything like that. Um, but like, we didn't really notice too much. You know, I thought I was just growing, I was getting taller, everything like that. Um, and now I look back at those photos and I realize that I did look like, when I saw them a few years ago, I wouldn't have noticed anything. But now I look back and I was like, oh, I did look a lot skinnier than I thought. And then I went into first year. And at that point I was in, I was in the same school, but the bully had gone somewhere else, but it just was still surrounded by really bad memories of the people there and what I'd been through. And um, I just kind of remember myself in like the period from September to January. Like I remember myself just what kind of struck a chord to me was I was making all my own food. I wasn't letting my mom make any of my food. And um, there were certain things that I wouldn't allow myself to have, but I still thought I was just being healthy. Like I thought it was like, oh, I'm being really healthy. Like I'm eating salads and having this instead of this. I'm not allowing myself any treat foods. Like I thought I was being really good in quotation marks. Um, and it was only when it came to like Christmas at that point that like my parents brought it up with me and I denied it completely. I was like, no, I'm just being really healthy. Like there's nothing wrong. But then even like at that point, my dance teacher had had a chat with my parents because I was looking really underweight. And I still thought there was nothing wrong. Like I was like, oh, I'm perfectly healthy. Like there's nothing wrong at all. And it took until the point where it got to about the end of January. And I realized like there's something wrong. And I didn't want to admit to myself that I had an eating disorder because that felt like failure to me. Like I've always been, I've always liked to have control of things. And like the thought of like losing control of like who I was was really scary to me. So I didn't want to admit anything like that. But I knew at that point it was really dangerous and I was told that if I didn't go and get help that I would have to go to hospital because it was at a really bad point point. Um, so the hospital was like the worst thought of my mind so I agreed with my parents I was like okay I'll go see someone and it took a long long time like it definitely got worse before it got better after seeing someone like I hit a, a really low point in like March of that year I wasn't going to school I was at home all the time like it was really really horrible and then it was only about after March that it took from then a year and a half, two years of recovery, like the recovery took a lot longer than the actual hitting like your low point. And that was definitely the toughest part of it. But um, it's when I finally admitted to myself that there was a problem and I needed to get help. It got worse before it got better, but that was when I like knew, but it was took a long, long time for me to actually admit to myself because the thought of admitting to yourself that you had something like, it's not wrong with you, but I thought there was something wrong with me. So, yeah. I'm sorry. I during this time during that time where your parents had brought it up in the Christmas and then it came to the January how was your relationship with your parents like were you pushing them away because you didn't want them to be right or were they being like continually supportive or was it like how was that because I can imagine now being a parent myself and also having been a girl you know who struggles with self-image and stuff as a teenager I know the relationships from both sides now and I can't imagine how hard it must have been for both of you to live in that period where you were in denial, you also didn't want to admit it to yourself and also your parents were trying to provide support but try to give you a mirror to go, something needs to happen. Yeah, it was really hard. Um, it was definitely like a rocky time for my whole family because I know myself, I wasn't a happy person to be around. Like I was just so grumpy all the time. I had no like, like if you see me now, I have so much energy like food makes me so excited. I do like my exercise and everything makes me feel so good. But at that point, like everything was miserable. I was trying to exercise like at all points of the day at any point I can like try and sneak off and do exercise and I wasn't eating. And like, that was a really conflicting relationship with my parents because while they were trying to offer as much support as they could, um, they still had to be like, listen, you know, there's something wrong and we need to get this sorted because like, you're not going to survive if you keep going down here. So it was really, really hard. And like, there wasn't a day they went by where like there wasn't a massive argument and then I have two brothers as well so that was hard because my older brother definitely knew what was going on I never really spoke to him during that time like I didn't see him but my younger brother was so young and he had no clue what was going on he was probably I'm trying to think now like four five years ago he would have been seven eight so like he had no idea what was going on but 
yeah, it was definitely a really rocky relationship with my parents at that time. And like, they always helped me so much through my journey and I wouldn't have been able to do it without them. But that was so hard, like sitting down every night for dinner, like with my own relationship and then them trying to do that while offering support. It wasn't, it wasn't a great time. No, I can imagine. And so did they, like you were saying you were preparing all your own food at that stage. So did you go back to a situation where your mum was preparing your food again? Or how did, yeah, did it, did, is that, did you have to give up your autonomy over your food intake? Was that how it went? Yeah, that was definitely one of the hardest parts. I am, um, cause like I had taken over doing my food and then once I started to get help um, from a therapist, we realized like I couldn't have made my own food cause I was controlling everything. Like I was weighing everything I would put in. I was making sure there's a certain amount of this, a certain spoonful of this. And like in your head, like you knew the calories of everything just because you'd looked it up. And so you knew exactly what was in everything and then giving up to someone else where you have no idea how much of anything they put on, how much oil they used, how much anything like that was definitely a really, really scary part. And you had to give up that control to someone else. And like control is one of the big parts of it because I'm a very like organized person. I like everything to be planned. I still have that now. And it can like be really bad sometimes because like, even at the moment I'm like oh my god I can't control anything like the world is in such a hard place but like back then the only thing that I was controlling was like my food and then when that was given up that was a really hard point because I knew myself I couldn't control my food because that was one of the hardest things like I couldn't make my meals because that was what was getting me to the like a really bad place because I was measuring everything but giving up the control to my parents to make my food was very like a really hard part of it yeah yeah really tough and do you just to kind of go back maybe to the place of like just and and who can ever really know but I'm sure having gone through therapy now you have some ideas or some thoughts about what was the exact thing that led you to get to this point so there's the control thing but when you were talking at the beginning it started with this and I think that this is really common now and it's a sign of our times this idea of just wanting to be healthy and just wanting to be like healthy eater and eating you know superfoods and exercising loads that's kind of become a trendy thing but I remember when we were teenagers it wasn't really a notion I mean you weren't you wanted to look good like I remember thinking I want to look sexy like I want to look attractive to the guys but there definitely wasn't a thing like I want to look fit that I mean it didn't exist in my realm like at all none of my friends were thinking let's look fit we might want to be in a sports team but it wasn't about can I look fit and there wasn't even an idea I mean I came from a family that ate healthily and I've always been someone who's kind of eaten more healthily but then I mean I didn't eat anywhere near as healthily as I ate now and it certainly wasn't you know there wasn't all these like no one was eating goji berries and like making smoothie bowls or like that just didn't exist yeah. for us but was it was it the case that, I mean, obviously you're a lot younger than we are. Um, was it the case that also growing up in Australia, there's more of that because there is that outdoors lifestyle and because you are going to be maybe in bikinis all the time. Like, is there more pressure from that? Do you think in those kind of, do you think that that was kind of an, a, a fact that kind of led into it? Yeah, I don't know. Like in when I was growing up, so I actually grew up in Hong Kong. I'm half Australian, but I grew up and then a big part of it was the change in moving because I lost like all of my friends. I lost everything I knew. And I started a new school when I was 11 years old, which was really hard. And it was really hard fitting in with the girls. And I just happened to make friends with the wrong people. And a big part of it, I was bullied. And in the bullying, I was told how horrible I looked and how chubby and fat I was. And then um, that was a big part of it. And the mental part of that like that was really hard for me to go through at such a young age and then also being a dancer there's the pressures from that like I've always eaten healthy enough my mum studied dietetics in university so it's been like we've always eaten really wholesome food like it hasn't been like oh how many calories are in this it's like we've always had wholemeal pasta instead of white pasta we've always had brown rice or things like that you know um but when I started trying to like I didn't even start to try to look healthy I just thought oh this is getting better and then I was getting complimented and then I like people were like oh like you look like such a dancer and I'd never been told oh you look like a dancer like that was a really big part of it and I thought I was being healthy by eating like those low calorie five or one bars or whatever they are when I realize now <laughs> when I realize now like the stuff I'm eating now is healthy because I'm loving I'm like I love almond butter whereas that would have been such a fear for me because it was so high in calories and so high in fat but you have I have such a different mindset now on it but yeah back then it was definitely a lot of pressure from dance and then just the memories of bullying 
And like here is very different to both Hong Kong and Australia weather-wise because of what you wear. Like it was, I was wearing like the biggest hoodies here. And like, that's why I think it was less noticeable because I was just in the biggest clothes. Whereas if you're somewhere else there, like everyone in, is in bikinis all the time, um, as you said, or like, there's just a lot more, if you go to a workout class there, everyone will be in sports bras and leggings. Whereas here I find people cover up a lot more for the weather and then maybe also how they were brought up, I'm not sure. But um, yeah, it was definitely a few things that fed into it. Um, but yeah, the pressure to be like fit and healthy, I think is very, like you can still notice it now, like, there's a good part of it like people everyone's going to walk to get their coffees and going on long walks and going on runs and everything like that but when I was younger I thought like I wanted to look like those models you saw in magazines and then on social media as well and um, like the really really skinny ones it's weird as well because the body standard has changed so much even in the last 10 years like from when I when it started like when I was going through the depths of my eating disorder, the body standard was still to be stick thin and now it's completely changed. And you're like, how can I like keep up, do you know? Yeah, and do you, so speak to us about that. Do you feel, do you still feel, I mean, of course you do, you're still human. Like, but what is that pressure like for you now when you're looking at Instagram and you're looking at other influencers there where it's, it's much more like, you know, strong over skinny, which is great, but it's still like a lot of exercise and a lot of orthorexia. Um, like what and how, how does that influence you now or like how have you developed a I don't know a suit of armor to kind of shield yourself from that or, or what, how do you integrate that into your mindset so that it doesn't have this toxic kind of effect on you yeah like it's weird because if you looked at who I was following back then compared to who I was following now it's just such a big difference like now I follow people that make me feel inspired and happy and motivated not that like I'll scroll through and I'll just every photo I see I feel bad about myself because it's all a model or someone like that and the thing is like it took me such a long time to realize a model being a model it's their job that's what they're paid to do and like they're paid to look like that which is really sad but I spent all my time comparing myself to people there and now who I follow like I follow loads of like fitness coaches but I know them in real life and they make me like they're like putting out workouts I'm like oh I want to try this not to look skinny or anything like that or not to look like something just because I'm like I genuinely really enjoy this and it makes me feel good and I think it's such a difference just in my mindset like there are still days I'll go through and I'll follow some fitness influencer and I love their content but I'll see a photo I'm like oh why can't I look like that or I'll look at myself in the mirror compared to that or even like they'll be in Australia and it'll be the middle of the summer and they'll be having the best time on the beach and I'll be here like wrapped up in all my blankets and it's pouring outside. We are all going through that one. Yeah, especially <laughs> at the moment in the they're summer. like out of lockdown, if they're coming into summer, like yeah. it's definitely hard to see that yeah. um, because obviously we are in the peak of lockdown and we're coming into winter. So it's hard in that respect too. But yeah, I've definitely changed I think it's just a matter of like, if someone's making you feel bad about yourself every time you look at their photo, just unfollow them. It's not going to affect them. They're not going to hate you for it because they probably don't even know that you're following them. If it's some model, you know, like I don't need to see every photo that Kendall, Kendall Jenner posts because it's going to make me feel bad about myself and she's not going to care if I unfollow her. So mm -hmm. yeah, it's definitely a change in mindset. And now I follow like, oh, like I follow loads of food accounts. I'm like, oh my God, that looks so good. I want to make that instead of just following models and seeing everything they wear and be like, oh, why can't I look like that? Yeah. Talk to me, right, because your account is food and fitness, kind of, largely, from yeah. looking at the photographs. Um, and it seems to me, like, <laughs> I sound like such a mum, but it seems to me like I would be worried if I was your mum, seeing that your account was so focused on food and fitness and that you had had the journey that you had. I think I would probably have fear in my mind around, like, how do I make sure that there are self-checks there for her to make sure that this is this beautiful, positive thing and not veering slightly into needing external validation or obsessing around food and health again. And how do you, how do you A, put the self-checks in for yourself? And how do you also, how did you get to a place where you could have an account that's around fitness and food that is healthy for you? Yeah, like it's been a long journey. I started my account a long, long time ago, definitely in the depths of my eating disorder. And it was all just the food I was eating. And I even look back to it now and I was like, it's so boring. Like the stuff I was eating back then and like the portions I was having just make me like, I'm like, oh, how was I eating that? But like, it's been a long journey. And I think now for myself, I just know how good it makes me feel. And like, I know with fitness, I always say, like I go to the gym because it makes me feel so good. 
and that's like the thing one of the things I'm really struggling with now is them being closed because I go there's a community there I love going and I always come back feeling good not because I'm like oh I need to burn off these calories um and I think it's like myself I don't find myself being like oh like food and fitness like I need to be the best fitness person doing this like I'm not a qualified personal trainer so I'm never like you need to do this workout I'm just like this is what I did I found this here I really enjoyed it let me know if you do it see how you feel and then my food like I always show I try and show the balance of what I'm eating it's not always like I love my smoothie bowl so much and it's but it's not always that like sometimes I'll be getting a nice delivery or something like that and um, so I think checking myself is just to make sure that like make sure I'm showing the balance of everything and because I don't obsess about anything like that now whatsoever and with fitness it can be like a really difficult journey because when I was really struggling like I was just trying to exercise sneakily but now even as you said like my parents like how they could be worried I think they just see how much I genuinely enjoy it and like Eva's thing like I go to the gym on a Saturday morning with some friends and we all do a good workout and then we get coffee after and they just see how happy that makes me and like how it good it sets me up for the day or the weekend and I think that gives them reassurance because it's not me like oh I'm doing this for a few hours so I can run this off and then I'm going to go for a run in the afternoon and then I'm not going to eat this you know it just they genuinely see how happy it makes me so I think that gives them the reassurance yeah and so can you speak to me a little bit about like what were your methods what is the 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 whatever the down and dirty techniques that you used that made it so that you were able to disguise this to the outside world uh you've mentioned one of them there obviously but like what was the like what was your toolkit I, like i feel like it's just helpful to share that so that people can because i think a lot of us we do a lot of things unconsciously do you know like we do a lot of things I don't know, like mirrors are one. Like for me, I, I, I have mirrors, no mirrors downstairs in my house because I freaking hate them because there's loads of bits in my body that I'm not that happy with. And if I allow mirrors to be in my life, I'll look at them. <laughs> and I try like to remove those things, but I, but I know that there's an unconscious awareness of these things that you're constantly kind of like feeding yourself this slightly toxic thing that you know isn't good for you. But if it's around, it's very difficult to limit. So can you speak just like, what were those things that you did that, 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 uh, that yeah, allowed you kind of disguise what you were doing? Um, like, to be honest, it wasn't that disguise just because I was so underweight that you could kind of see that there was a problem. Like it wasn't to the point, like it was so past the point of looking like someone could actually look like this normally. Like it just looked that I looked like I was unwell, but I was at home most of the time anyway, during that period. Um, but yeah, it was like, mirrors are such a hard thing and I still struggle with them now and it's hard if you're like in the bathroom there's most likely going to be a mirror just so I don't to make sure I don't have toothpaste all over my mouth or something like that but it is a trap in the other way do you know like you might be looking at yourself in the morning and you're like oh my god like it's just the first thing you see it could be the, one of the first things you see in the morning you're like I did not need to see that like that's just set me off on a bad foot but like yeah during my heart like the hardest times mirrors were really really hard um, and I would try and like sneakily exercise and I think it's really hard because I get asked sometimes like oh, I think my friend is going through something like, what can I do to help her? And at that point, I kind of like, I had shut myself off from the outside world that like, I wasn't accepting anything for any from anyone. And I think that when someone asked me that, and the only thing you can do is just support them and be there for them and nothing you say or do is going to help them. It has to come from the person, but you just have to make sure that like some, someone messaged me once and was like well my friend's going through something hard but her parents aren't doing anything about it she needs help but like I don't know what to do and I think you just have to be there for her to support it you have to talk to the parents and see what you can do because they're obviously not well and it is pr pretty easy to disguise in it as well you can't think of like when you think of eating disorders like someone could look perfectly fine but they could be struggling so deeply inside like me not that I was lucky that it showed but it made it like oh she needs help but if I had looked perfectly healthy, but I was obsessing over everything like that, I could easily look like that and no one would notice. They'd just be like, oh, she looks healthy, like she's fit, you know? Um, but I think like people just have to be aware that like anyone can have an eating disorder, no matter what shape they are, no matter what size they are. And it can come in so many different forms. And there's so many different ways of hiding it, you know? Like I remember I used to make up excuses that I was gluten-free just so I didn't have to have pasta or something like that. And um, I'll be like, no, I'm going to have quinoa instead because I'm gluten free. I can't have that. It makes my stomach upset. Or I'd be like, oh, I'm lactose intolerant. Well, technically I can't have lactose because of my sinuses. They make them really bad. But 
um dairy was definitely a hard thing for me to incorporate back I don't have it anymore because I'm vegan not for restrictive reasons for ethical and environmental reasons but back then when I was incorporating it back be like no I can't eat that I'm lactose intolerant or I'm gluten-free like there's so many different ways of trying to hide that or be like oh that makes my stomach upset I'd be like yeah no I can't eat nuts they make my stomach really sore when in reality I loved almond butter and peanut butter but I just wouldn't let myself have it interesting I think it's so hard isn't it because I think the line between it, because there is now this great health culture and fitness culture, it's not the same as it would have been when we were growing up because there just wasn't that. And yeah. there wasn't, you know, I was gluten-free and that was just weird. Like people didn't accept it and they just thought you were annoying. There wasn't a like, oh yeah, loads of people are gluten-free, you know? And now I think it's, it's so hard to distinguish between someone who's genuinely going, I really just have problems with my diet or I have problems with my stomach or I just don't feel healthy and I want to really clean up my diet and get really fit and do stuff that's making me feel good between someone could be doing the exact same thing but the reasons that they're doing it and how it's actually making them feel inside it's an internal thing they could look exactly the same and be doing the same thing and yet for one person it could be healthy and the other person it could be really toxic yeah and I think one of the biggest problems I have with that when I see it you know in terms of people coming through the shop is this kind of like polarization between the medicalization so you know, anorexia, bulimia, speaking to people about, you know, putting them into a category where they have a medical diagnosis or something. And then this medical dismissiveness on the other hand, where they say, ah, of course you can eat gluten, you're not bloating, it's blah, blah, blah. Or, you know, that they have, like somebody gets characterized as like having IBS, but then sent away with no help and said like, that's just your life now. And then you don't really have this thing in the middle where you say like, well, every single immune system and physiology has specific needs. Mm. Some people don't do well with dairy because of their sinuses. And it's not to say that they're lactose intolerant. They're not like, and they're not, they're also not lying about it. Like nobody wants to like tell a mistruth about what suits them or what doesn't suit them. But I think that, that kind of drives things underground a little bit as well, doesn't it? Because it means that people don't feel like they're able to have a, like a real discussion about and, and maybe it's a little bit at home as well when you're growing up with parents. Maybe your parents aren't cooking the sort of food that suits you digestively. And then you end up kind of hiding things or masking things. There's so many like versions of, yeah, like this this kind of like newer kind of health paradigm that's that's caused us to have, I don't like like almost schizophrenia about like whether a choice is a healthy choice or if it's a choice that you're making for the wrong reasons. And it, and it can be the same choice but it can be totally toxic or actually the right thing for you. It's very difficult to distinguish, isn't it? Yeah, and I remember like during, like when I was really deep in my eating disorder, like I remember anything someone said on social media, they'll be like, oh, I have IBS, so I'm gonna eat this one. I'm like, oh, well, I can't eat those then because they're not eating them, do you know, like they're healthy. So if they're not gonna eat bananas, then I'm not gonna eat bananas. When in reality, like I have no problem with them. Like they're completely fine. And I was just doing whatever anyone said. Like, they're like, oh, if you're like, if you like anything that someone would say, I can't even think of any other examples, but like someone could say something about like rice cakes would be like, well, I can't eat rice cakes then because they're not yeah. eating rice cakes. But in reality, every, as you said, every single person is different. And just because something like if one of my friends was like, oh, like bread makes me feel really sick. I'm not going to eat it. It would be like, well, I used to be like, well, I can't eat it then because it's not healthy. Like anything. Yeah. And I'd have such a just, like thing would be like, well, I can't eat gluten because it makes me feel sick when it didn't make me feel sick. But then my mum would come home with a fresh loaf of sourdough of like wholemeal sourdough and be like, no, I can't eat that. <laughs> I have gluten-free bread. And I'm just like, the gluten-free slice pan from supermarket and a wholemeal freshly baked sourdough, like that was what my mind was at, you know? So yeah. Yeah. It's different. That's the thing. And do you, do you have friends who've gone through anything like in your immediate circle that have gone through anything like you've gone through? not really like it's kind of like you know I've different points in like school like girls will come in and be like oh I'm starting a diet today and then the next day they're like nah like I'm not doing that anymore do you know like it's a and very like, few <laughs> yeah, it's a very teenage girl thing and I would have really like when I was in school even two years ago like whenever someone said they were going on a diet like that would automatically like really get to me and like trigger me and be like oh my god like do I need to be doing this or like, why are they doing this? Like they look perfect, like they look completely fine. They look amazing. Like they look so healthy. And they're like, oh, I'm starting dieting to lose some weight. And then I'm like, well, I need to lose some weight. So I need to start a diet. Like that was really hard for me. And I don't think, I never said it to like any of the friends that would say that because that was just where their mind was at. And I didn't think they were doing any harm when it was really, really hard for me. Like I would come home and I remember one day some girl said she was starting a juice cleanse. And I was like, well, I need to start a juice cleanse. Like she was like 16 starting a juice cleanse. And I was like, oh, I need to do this too. Like, like she's going to lose weight. I need to lose weight. But I think it was just more of a teenage girl things where 
at some point someone was trying to go on a diet like it would never last because they would just eat lettuce and nothing else um and then it got to the point like a year like two years ago where someone would be like oh I want to go on a diet I want to do this and I'm just like why don't you just like instead of having just lettuce and tomatoes why don't you like put this in and put this in like you're going to be more filled you're going to be a lot more sustainable and you can still be healthy like you're not going to reach for whatever like you'd be like have lettuce and be like oh well I'm still hungry so I'm gonna have a chocolate bar because that's how their diet works and but I didn't really know anyone who went through anything to the same extent that I did and I ended up meeting a few people through social media at the end and we kind of like it wasn't during my eating disorder but it was after and it was nice to like not compare stories but just know that someone else had been through something similar and had got to the other side or some people who were further along in their journey or I could give reassurance to someone who was not as far along in their journey that like you actually will get through it and you will be able to feel happy and healthy again and food won't be like a fear anymore exercise won't be something that's like you have to do to lose weight to burn off the calories you've eaten or something like that it's an interesting thing because I went to boarding school and um one of the boarding schools I went to was an all girls boarding school and I was really bullied really badly there but one of the girls who was in my dorm because we all slept you know in the same space we had no private space and control was a major thing for us because we had no control you know everyone controlled every element of our lives and a girl in my dorm developed a really bad um well there was it kind of it was interesting actually thinking about it now and hearing you say that it kind of became a trend and I don't mean to be dismissive dismissive of it because it got incredibly serious and three out of the five girls who did it became fully bulimic or you know to a really dangerous degree but it started as a thing of them going let's see if we can do some weight and because we were like 15 and there wasn't social media at that stage there was no access to information so people were reading magazines and trying to I mean it started off with them going we're going to chew all our food at dinner and then we'll just spit it into the bin so we'll get the taste of the food but we won't actually swallow it and I mean it was such a 14 year old notion of how that's going to work but they did it and then one girl started making herself sick afterwards and then she shared her techniques with the other girls and it spiraled so quickly from being a thing of like it's nearly summer we want to lose some weight which was kind of innocently like all teenage girls say that all the time anyway all of us say it not just teenage girls all of us like oh bikini's coming like let's do something to suddenly being to the point where two of them were nearly hospitalized and it was really serious but for us around it it was really hard to discern that point and to know what to do because you feel like you're going to betray your friends you know when you're so young it's hard to distinguish between that point of going I actually need to go and tell someone that this is a problem and my bullying started because I told a family member of one of the girls that I thought she had an eating disorder and then every girl in my dorm turned against me and no one would talk to me again and they called me fat and they called me ugly and all those things and those things that they called me are still there for me today you know I was lucky that it didn't make me spiral into a really bad place but I'm like 30, 37, about to be 38. And I, on my bad days, I still hear the voices of the things that they say to me. And that came because I did try to support someone. So I feel like now when everyone's at home all of the time and we aren't in these big friend groups, but you're in a family group, it's a particularly difficult sort of tinderbox situation mm -hmm. for anyone who might be starting to go through some kind of a situation like that because they're living with their families no one wants to rock the boat no one wants to make the home life situation even more tricky than it already is and like how do we how do we flag those things in a way that's not confrontational, confrontational and yeah. not more inflammatory because the last thing that you want to do when someone's in such a vulnerable situation is to make them feel attacked yeah mm. I think it's a really hard one and like I was thinking before like if I was going through what I did now it would be so tough because while I was at home all the like all the time at the end like my parents worked so they weren't like always home and my mom works from home but like if both my parents were here and we were all in the house together like I think it would be so so tough because there was enough confrontation as there was but like mm -hmm. all of my family members were home like I can't imagine how hard that would have been um but I think it's really difficult as well, like with friends. I've never had to go through a friend who's like really struggling with food and had to tell someone because like I just never have gone through that. Luckily, I hope I never do. But if it did come to the situation like that I did, I think although like it's so horrible that they may think it's the worst thing that you've ever done and they may really hate you. Like I know if I was really struggling and that my parents were didn't know or like if I was away 
and my parents didn't know anything that I was struggling and my friend told them I would have thought they were the worst person in the world but in the end you look back and be like well they could have actually saved me and they were started on although it like may seem like the worst thing in the world and you think you are like betraying the person them telling someone and helping the other person get help um is possibly like the best thing that could be done and it yeah. does hard it would seem like the hardest thing in the world but like my parents knew what was going on because they could see me and they knew what was happening but if they didn't and I was away or I was at boarding school or something like I don't know what would have happened and if no one had told like I could have been sent to hospital or even worse like it's a deathly thing like your heart can stop working your organs can stop working you know so it needs to be flagged at some point and and it does like it would be such a hard thing because you would feel like you're betraying the person but in the end it would definitely be for the better because you could be saving their life so what do you are there were there sort of support systems or charities or helplines or online forums or things that you found that were really helpful for you at that time like if someone's listening and they either have a friend or a family member or they themselves are going through it where would you point them in a gentle way to start them off if they haven't got a therapist yet I think it's a really hard situation because um like it can be a trap that you go through do you know like you think you're being really good by like looking at all these things online and be like oh what can I do this and then taking all the information but it can be a trap you go down like you're like how do I recover from this healthily and then you're looking at all these things and you're like okay I need to eat this I need to do this I need to have this I need to have my green juice in the morning do you know it is a bit of a trap and like when you're in that I know there are a few charities like there's a place called Bodywise, and there's a few different ones but when I was going through stuff that like that wouldn't have helped me I don't think I think it was the big difference of just accepting myself that there was a problem and going to get help because I don't think there's really another way like no one can tell you like I can't listen to any, if anyone had told me I had a problem I just would have been like no I don't like you have to accept it yourself and you have to be like okay I need to do this myself because no one else can do it for you mm-hmm. um, yeah. and, and did, sorry did you remove things from your environment like social media mirrors weighing scales that sort of stuff did you or did your parents did did was was there any of that sort of like actually this just needs to be gone for a period of whatever six months did did that happen or not yeah like we've never had a weighing scale in our house and um, and I'm very glad like at that time I wanted to weigh myself every day but I couldn't because we didn't have access to a weighing scales and that was really good for me and um, that we didn't because it is such a thing like oh I have to weigh myself before I've eaten this and then after I've eaten this and then it would have been such a bad thing so I'd be like oh my god I've done this and I have to you know I have to exercise this off now or something and so I'm very glad that that wasn't there and yeah it's hard because we couldn't like remove every mirror in a house or the bathroom mirrors those were definitely so hard to see Um, and yeah it was just kind of like taking off like I still I'm trying to think of social media I definitely still had social media and at that point see the thing with social media it's hard because while it can be really detrimental it also can be really helpful because me seeing like these really like like I hate the word influencers but like there's some influencers who actually like help me because I'd be like oh my god like they're eating healthy food they seem to genuinely enjoy working out they're not doing it to look shredded or to look like so lean and toned and everything like that but they're just like they're having this they're enjoying a burger they're doing this I'm like oh like I could be doing that in the future and I could be happy and I could like get genuine excitement from food and not be scared of it and I could be genuinely excited to go for a nice long walk instead of just being like okay I have to walk 10,000 steps because I have to do that every single day so while that side of it helped me there was also the side of seeing the models and everything so it's a really hard situation to be in and I as I said before I think it's just monitoring like if you're talking about social media just unfollow the people who make you feel bad and follow the people who be like oh I want to be like that and so it was me just like looking at certain people and being like oh I can have a relationship like that it's going to take a while but like it is I can get there so I think that part of social media helped but yeah like the mirrors and the weighing scales I would say if there's a weighing scale in your house or if you know your friend has a weighing scale in the house and she's doing it get rid of it because it's the worst thing and like your weight doesn't define anything about your health and were there like, particular people online who you followed who you found good help from any particular ones I really enjoyed following Roz Purcell and yeah. um, I thought she was really, really good. And I still enjoy seeing her content. She does these things where she like takes the outtakes from her photo shoots and shows that like, this is the photo I got and this is it with like the cool filters on. But these were like the outtakes during the thing. And I think that's really helpful to people be like, oh, like I was looking at that photo thinking how amazing she looked and how she's so like perfect. And like, why can't I look like that? And then there's the outtakes of the photo shoot being like, 
do you know like just showing the both sides of it and she helped and then it was just like as if there was an English blogger called Zana Van Dyke who I loved because she just loved food and it made her so excited and loved cooking and loved getting active and outdoors and it was just following those sorts of people and like once you followed them you found other people from them because that's who they're friends with and so those definitely helped me and then I was also just following like people like I loved following travel people because I'm like oh like it was a goal to achieve because I was like I know I can't go on a trip now like I wouldn't be able for it but like when I'm healthy I can go on a trip I can enjoy this food you know and so that sort of things like showing what there was to the world and it's not all about what's going on in your head like oh my god look at these mountains in Peru and look at the food they're eating and look at everything like the adventure they're having and it's like okay like the world is bigger than the house that I'm stuck in or the world is bigger like than the demons that are in my mind and like once I get past that it's like I will get past that and I will be able to travel I mean not at the moment but I will be able to travel yes. in the future and enjoy <laughs> enjoy okay. the world outside of my five kilometer radius yeah your therapist that you went to did she give you when you first went and obviously you were kind of at that point of going okay I've accepted that there's a problem but probably I'm imagining you hadn't accepted quite the extent of the problem or even I think when you when you start into accepting that there's a problem you don't necessarily realize the mountain that you're about to climb in terms of recovery and how many steps forward versus how many steps back you're going to take and I think that we're so used to now having a notion that recovery is linear and that we just start at one point and it just gets better and we keep going forwards and it can be so disheartening to get better and then find yourself sinking back down and then you beat yourself up for that and then that bad mentality makes you fall further and you know those kinds of things are the realities of a recovery journey did she give you like did she make you do journaling or did she give you meditation or what were the techniques that that you found helped you in those moments where you found that there was you were kind of slipping backwards or moving forwards yeah like as you said it's such like a spiraling journey like if you look at it kind of like a big hill like even when I admitted I had a problem I reached another low before that and then I'd go up a hill and then I go back down and be like oh my god it's going so much better and then there'd be a few months where I'd be really really struggling and then you go up again and down and it's quite disheartening when you're going through it because you're like oh well like I thought it was going really well like you know I almost always had an end point in my mind. It was like, by December, I'll be fine. By January, I'll be fine. By February, and it's really not like that at all. And it took, like, by the end of it, it took years longer than I thought it would. Like, it's such a long process. And there's definitely ups and downs and you definitely have your good days and your bad days. But I didn't really get tips. Like, I didn't journal or do anything like that. And like, definitely once I started therapy, like I thought it was the worst thing. Like I would dread going because I would spend most of it just sitting on the couch in tears, not saying anything, especially the first few weeks. Like. I just couldn't say anything I would just sit there and cry but like sometimes that was the best thing because I was like I just needed that and then like once I started going like I still hated it every time but I went and it was just speaking about what's happening then realizing like well why did that happen like what made that happen and it was kind of like each person's will be different and um, like each person's story each person's what they need but for me it was just being like okay like why did this happen what can I do to prevent that from happening again um or what do I need to do to like tackle the situation for if it happens again so I can like get out of it quicker and I'm not spending six hours in tears in my bed you know and um, I just think every person is unique but yeah definitely it's a very very rocky journey and like I think everyone needs to know that like there will be big ups and downs and you will think that like okay like I'm going to be out of this soon like it's going to be fine and like that's just such a hard way of looking at it because there's going to be so many ups and downs and every day can feel different and even now like I don't struggle with my food, but I do have really bad body image days sometimes. And that still feels like a down. It's quite disheartening to be like, well, why am I still struggling with this? But I think it's just a part part of life and a part of like, although I feel like I am recovered, it's still going to be a part of my history. And it's still going to be, there's still going to be little things inside of me. They're going to be like, oh, like, why do you look like this today? Or you should do this. But it's just about being like, okay, like get that out of your head, focus on other things. There's more important things in your day to focus on. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, it's an also, it's a really important part of mental health journeys. And I think there's an evolving, uh, both within the medical paradigm and, and outside it, uh, attitude to, to mental health struggles that a there's, you know, you, they, they essentially rewrite the, the dictionary on, on, on what the symptoms are that classify you as whatever it is, medicalized version of schizophrenia, whatever it is, you know, like with any sort of mental health disorder, that 
people can move out of those things as well. It's not, this is not a lifelong characterization of a human. Um, and it's an, you're an amazing testament to, to, to the human spirit that you have got as far as you have um, in, in like in such a short time and as still a very young human as well, fair dues to you. Thank yeah, you. And I think, the other thing I think that's so lovely about your story is that I think when you haven't been in that world of mental illness or of eating disorders, you can have you, you can have a kind of misguided maybe idea that it's always going to be the way that it is with alcoholism, that you can never have a drink again because it's just going to be a disaster for you. Mm. And so then you can think, well, I'm never going to enjoy food. I, I can never get to a place where I could love food. And, you know, in such a short period of time, you've managed to get back from food being this enemy to being like the whole of your Instagram page and a huge part of your life. And you can see when you're talking about it on Instagram, but also when you're talking about it now, what joy it brings you, that it's the same for me. It's like, I go to sleep at night, I'm already thinking about what I'm going to do for breakfast. And I am so excited to think of the million different things I'm going to eat for breakfast. And then I'm already thinking about what I'm going to bake for my son in the afternoon. And it's because it's my, it's my happy place. Like it really, really is something that brings me joy and like bad food makes me angry. Like it really, really makes me angry. And it's so nice to see that you've been able to come to the point where you're not just tolerating food and putting it into your body because you know it's healthy, but because you're like, actually loving it mm. and I think that for anyone listening out there that's going to be a huge inspiration like those people that you were looking at like was Purcell that you can go here's a healthy template like here's a future that I can see for myself yeah. that's been lived that's possible for me and I, I hope that people will share this podcast with people who are going through this or with kids teenagers that can listen to it and understand like there is a future afterwards and it doesn't have to but also to understand that their journey isn't going to be a to z and that's just going to be a straight line and for their families to know that too because i imagine that as the family around you every time you see your child get better and then dip back down again you're thinking is this it are they going back into it is it ever going to change and to know that you're going into it with that understanding is a very very different place because you're prepared mentally like in a marathon to go okay there's going to be hard bits and it's going to go like this but there is an end point that's there eventually definitely like I wish I had known I don't know if it would have made much of a difference but I wish I'd known that like every time I went like down a bit in my journey that I would come back up the other side and that I would feel better and there may be more of those along the way but it'll eventually get you to a point where you're like okay like there's nowhere near as many downs as there used to be like yeah I have my days that I'm not feeling great but like I feel like that's just a part of life and with the food and everything it just makes me so happy like as you said like I'll have my dinner and be like oh what do I want to make for breakfast tomorrow and like food used to consume my mind in such a different way like I'd be so afraid of my next meal I'd be like oh my god I need to only have this I need to only have this and then I can only have that left for dinner because that's all I can have in the day. Whereas now I'm like, oh, I want to make some banana bread. Like it makes me so happy. Um, or just like even like when I have banana bread baking in the oven, like the smell of it, I'm like, oh my God, I'm so excited to eat this. Like it's going to make me, it's going to give me the energy. And I even remember like I was in sixth year last year, like in school. And that was a tough year study wise. And I would go into school early in the morning to study because I always found the mornings were the best for me. So I would get to school at like 6.30 in the morning, ready to study. And I'd see my friends there a bit later and they'd be like, like, why do you have so much energy? I'm just like, like, I'm like, I'm going to the gym later. I'm going to have all my food. Like I'm going to get my coffee. Like it just, it make, gives me energy and it makes me so happy and eating like this, like how I do, like knowing I have such a balance in how I'm eating. It just makes me feel so good. And I get so much energy from my food. I'm just a very like energetic person. And I think that's because of the way I live now. Like I'm like, everything just make like going to the gym makes me excited going for a walk makes me excited like sitting on the sofa eating a big curry makes me excited so yeah it definitely it's nice to like to say to other people and although it may not make any difference to them now if they're going through a journey but it's nice to be like like listen you will get to a point where it's enjoyable and you will get to a point where like you can enjoy life again and you can enjoy food and you can enjoy you're not going to be scared to go and hang out with friends because you're like oh are we going to eat something mm-hmm. or you're not going to have to look up the menu of what you're where you're going before you go because it terrifies you or like I remember the amount of times like I don't think I saw friends for months and months and months because I was always afraid it would involve having food of some sort that wasn't prepared in my kitchen or having friends over because like yeah it's just it ruined your life basically but now I get so excited because I'm like oh like do we want to go here for food or do we want to try this or do you guys want to come over for a brunch or something like that I mean obviously not right now in this yeah. time, but when life is a bit more normal there was that yeah yeah 
Maya, thank you so much for sharing your story because it's a really brave thing to share your story. And I know that I remember when I read the post that you did on Instagram about it. And up until that point, I didn't, I didn't know that you had been through that journey. Um, I remember you saying that the reason that you were doing the post, even though it was the hardest thing for you to do and that you were terrified of what the response was gonna be that you got, that even if one person read it and it changed the course of their journey or it helped them in some way, that it was worth it for you. And yeah, I really feel like that this is absolutely the case that this, this chat has been so relatable. And it's so nice to hear someone who's young talking about it because yeah. often it's much older people yeah, talking some, about their journeys. Yeah, or it's somebody in the medical profession, sorry. Like it's somebody who's speaking to it from outside the thing, you know, which is, it's never really that much help. I feel like that education is like, you know, if you haven't walked in the shoes, you, you it's very difficult to speak into it with any kind of validity, isn't it? Yeah, anyway, yeah like when there's like obviously the medical profession are amazing and we definitely need them <laughs> um yes even like especially in my journey like I needed that but when they are saying oh this is what's going to happen I'm like no every person's story is going to be different like that didn't happen to me but this happened to me but you didn't say that that would happen you know mm -hmm. and I think like I remember when I wrote that post like I think I got like hundreds of comments and people were so surprised because loads of people wouldn't have known me during that time or they didn't see me so they weren't aware that anything was happening and I remember I wrote it before I went to the gym and I turned off my phone for three hours and then I went back to my phone and I was just so overwhelmed by the response like it was so positive and I remember I just had to do something to like get my mind off it because it felt so scary but now that since I've opened up about it once I feel like and I got so many messages from people saying, listen, I'm going through a hard time right now. And this helped me because I know there's another side to it. And that just like made it completely worth it for me to be like, if I can help someone with my journey, because I didn't go through that for nothing. And if someone else is going through that, I want to be someone that could possibly help them. And even if I'm no help and I'm just showing nice food and they think it's pretty, then that's <laughs> fine too. So <laughs> Maya, thank you so much for taking time out of your day. I know you're super busy and, um, yeah, if people have questions for Maya, I know that you said like people can DM you if they want to reach out or, or need support or something. And so we'll put a little link to your Instagram page and certainly yeah. people should go and look at the beautiful food. <laughs> the balls good. every morning, every good bowl. So good. I have to make the bowls. Right, <laughs> I have nice. to make the bowls. Yeah, Great. definitely. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, and if anyone wants to DM me, you can just find me on Instagram, send me a message. I'm always there responding to messages, so. Beautiful. Great. Listen, thanks so much. And we'll sign off and uh, hopefully chat to you soon. Look forward to seeing what you do next. Bye, Mike. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Bye.